Hi, to all you boys and girls out there in podcast land. Before we get started, I'm excited to announce that the first installment of the film series is now online. There's a link in the show notes for this episode, but you can find all the audio and video episodes of the series at daredreamer.fm slash breaking the glass. The film series could not have happened without the support of Videoblox and Song Freedom. Videoblox is a premium stock footage subscription service for accessing high quality HD and 4K stock footage from their library of over 115,000 clips. Go to videoblox.com RFS to sign up for a free seven day trial or sign up for the year plan for only $99. And Song Freedom has been a supporter of both the series and the regular Radio Film School episodes for a year. If you need anything from sweeping cinematic scores to popular mainstream music to be legally licensed, look no further than songfreedom.com radio and get a free standard gold level license worth $30. We thank Song Freedom and Video Box for their support. Okay, let's get started. Apple is always about pushing the envelope about doing the best thing possible. And that's different from any company industry. Ah, Apple, the most valuable company on the planet, worth nearly $500 billion. Not bad for a company that just 20 years ago was nearly on the verge of bankruptcy and obscurity. What you just heard was a clip from a recruitment video I found on YouTube. You don't come to Apple unless you're really good at what you do. The reason you're here, the reason you were hired, is because you're at the top of your field or you have the potential to be at the top of your field. Working for Apple is kind of like being a celebrity. My wife used to work there as a designer and trainer in the HR department, and whenever we'd tell people she worked at Apple, it was like telling them she got the lead in the Steven Spielberg movie or something. A good friend of mine is a high-level exec at the tech giant, and years ago he gave me one of those coveted black Apple t-shirts that only employees can get access to. I remember wearing it out on a shoot one day, and I'd get stares and oohs and ahs from people. You think they saw Chris Rock or Denzel Washington, which is not a surprise because, you know, all of us black people look alike. But Apple is a company that is also widely known for its progressiveness. It's the first Fortune 500 company to have an openly gay CEO. It's a company that prides itself on celebrating diversity. You get the best of the best of the best people in your field in a workplace that embraces positive values. Apple is a paragon of a working environment. Or is it? There's a belief in the power of small teams to do really great things. Leaked Apple emails say that the work environment for female employees is sexist and toxic, according to the website Mike. After it was reported that male employees were making jokes about rape, one female employee wrote Apple's chief executive officer Tim Cook an email saying, I don't feel safe at a company that tolerates individuals who make... That's a clip from a Fortune magazine video report about recent troubles Apple has run into with claims by nearly a dozen women that the company has a misogynistic and sexist work environment. Apple, say it isn't so. I was disappointed to learn about this controversy surrounding Apple. Not that I ever thought that the company was an angel or anything. I mean, it has had its fair share of controversy around other issues like its foreign manufacturing. 
But the last company I'd ever think would be embroiled in a sexual harassment controversy was Apple. If even a company such as this deals with issues of sexism in the workplace, I can only imagine what it must be like in the entertainment business. It's one of the ironies of Hollywood. In many ways, it's the bastion of liberalism and progressiveness. Yet, it still deals with serious issues of sexism, objectification, abuse, and harassment. Hollywood's fight for gender discrimination has been in the media just about as much as Taylor Swift's Girl commission Squad has been requesting and interviews the so that they may finally about the gender-related The defense reportedly expanding their investigation into alleged gender bias Her career was sabotaged by Ailes after she refused his sexual advances. The government is wasting their time with on this kind of BS. It, it doesn't matter. It's, it's just, it's, it's looking for something that isn't there, in my yeah. opinion. Today on the show, we address an angle of the topic of sexual harassment and in particular, the inherent way in which men interact with one another in the workplace, and what role that has on this greater issue we've been addressing on the show. My name is Ron Dawson, and this is Radio Film School's Breaking the Glass, a special podcast miniseries about gender, race, and making it in the biz. So to kick off this discussion, I'm going to turn the mic over to my good friend and the miniseries co-producer, Yolanda. I'll see you on the other side. Hey there again. My name's Yolanda T. Cochran, and for anyone out there who hasn't virtually met me on a previous episode of Radio Film School, I'm a producer and production executive in Hollywood, and I've been at this crazy and wonderful pursuit for over 20 years. Sometimes people ask me what I like best about what I do, and the prevailing answer, without a doubt, is problem solving. Now, when I say problem solving, I'm not meaning what one normally associates with the word problem, as in the Webster definition quote, something that is difficult to deal with, something that is a source of trouble, worry, etc., though often that definitely applies in production. What I'm meaning is more of the connotation of a puzzle-type problem. Solve this puzzle, if you will, because each new film and television project is unique unto itself creatively, obviously, and therefore it's inherently unique in figuring out the best approach to pull it off. So each time around, it's a challenge because you're not making the same widget as the last widget you made. I really dig the figuring it out part and finding the plan that lends to the best creative result as possible. And of course, I love the creativity of the projects themselves. Ron's waxed poetic plenty of times before on this medium's potential to delight, inspire audiences, and make positive impact in the world, and I couldn't agree more. It's often Hollywood that pushes the social envelope and sparks reflection, examination, conversation, and change, often about the human condition and acceptance, or lack thereof. But as we've been sharing for the past few weeks, and as Ron alluded to at the top of the show, despite the progressiveness in this town, like any other, it has its issues. On the last episode of the series, I invited my friend and business partner to discuss some of her perspectives on this topic of gender in Hollywood. Christina Kramer is a post-production coordinator, and we originally met while we were both working at Alcon Entertainment. I asked Christina about the dearth of women in certain departments in film and TV like post-production, and we spitballed ideas about potential solutions. What came out of that was a story that honestly incited a flash of panic inside 
you know, one of those things that somewhere inside your psyche knows likely exists and is at play in the world, but doesn't really come to the forefront of your awareness until someone says it out loud. And I won't say who, but on a job that I worked on, basically having a superior of mine say that uh, one of the large studios they were working for required all of more of the upper level management of the post team to come into the studio and to do a seminar. And this was actually specifically about sexual harassment. Yeah. Yeah. Which you would think would have reception that everyone would understand and, you know, be on board with, but their perspective afterwards from it, and I'm paraphrasing, but this is basically what they said was what I got from the sexual harassment seminar was I shouldn't hire women. Yeah. And I was like, wow, (laughs) because they're like, basically we're going to have to tiptoe so much. We have to change the environment so drastically because an editorial and a post office is not a PC office environment. And that's kind of like part of the environment is that it is like kind of this more wild west feeling thing. It is not corporate. There's a reason these people go to that side of the industry. And so I don't think that you're going to be able to change that by putting people into a seminar. Um, Yeah, this person's perspective was I have women in the I have women in the editorial office and we're all going to have to tiptoe around them and uh, it's going to make my creatives um, uncomfortable and they're not going to feel happy in their environment, which is so important. And we're going to have to constantly be worried about being sued. And basically, and this was, I think, exactly what this person said was women are going to cause me problems. Right is what the takeaway was from the sexual harassment seminar. And I, as a woman, was like horrified because I'm constantly surrounded with the fact that I am in a very male-dominant industry. And I'm like, wow, when I walk into the room, I don't want people to think like, well, this person's just going to cause issues. What I think is more important is I've literally gotten the feedback of once I am working, like, oh, wow, you're you're really great. We don't normally have very many women in the office and you've actually brought some really great, a great energy that we like, like, no, but really like kind of, you've kind of helped bring a good morale because, you know, I think I'm mindful of bringing everyone together and it not just being about doing the job. It's like about us being a team. And so if you have more women that are there, they're going, you're going to buy just having more women there see the value that they bring through differences. And if that means you have to get women, the the limited population of women who are in that side of the industry exclusively seeking out more women, I think that that's just what needs to happen. And once that gets balanced out a little bit more, then I think you don't have to worry about it. People aren't going to see a woman walking in the door and thinking like, oh, that's weird or that's bizarre. I had an editor tell me once, you know, you just by the fact of being a woman in this very male dominated side of the business are going to constantly be underestimated. And that needs to change. You know, when women walk into the room, they shouldn't be assuming that it's 
something is less than. They need to be seen as an equal, but how are they going to have that perspective if they never work with any women? You know, obviously our industry is unique because it's content driven and content, you know, it's art, it's, it's based in art and art, you know, runs a big spectrum. We're not making widgets. It's not a product. It's, it's, it's art, you know, and, and some of the best of our art is where we're pushing the limits on things. So that being said, I do want to come back to this issue of, you know, certain departments lacking female um, participants. And and what I was saying earlier is one of the departments that lacks females uh, in in numbers is camera. But I think second by not very much, or maybe even on par is post-production. And that runs across, you know, editorial, sound, visual effects, all of that. And so, I wanted to ask you, you know, from your perspective, why do you think that is about post-production? And is there something inherent to post that's lending to that? Like I said, I think that that environment attracts, it tends to attract a different type of person who's interested to be in that type of environment. Like some people like the structure and the environment of being at more of a corporate feeling place. This is different, but I think of my father, you know, he works in construction and he worked on the side of things where there was the office construction people who it's like, you know, very business and suits and, and then his side, he likes being, you know, getting his hands dirty and he's working with people who maybe are a little bit more vulgar and aren't clean cut. And so those to me are very like kind of interesting worlds when I have to think of outside of just the film industry. And again, his side is never going to be completely squeaky clean. And for me, I do appreciate the side of things being not super squeaky clean. I'm not offended by things not being super PC. I think what offends me or has bothered me in, in situations is when I feel that something is being specifically directed at me for being a woman, either a comment or a pass or feeling like I'm being treated as something like as more more objectified, having some dirty jokes or, you know, not being super PC does not bother me. It's, it's when I feel like I'm specifically kind of being I don't know if attacked is really the nice, the best word for it. That's a little bit stronger than what I, than what I mean, but I mean, our business and it's inherently, you know, there, there has to be some leeway. I mean, you know, what do you do in the editorial suite for sausage party? I mean, (laughs) there's a, you, I mean, you're going to have the, the content itself sometimes is specific to what someone might find objectionable or, you know, obviously sexually related or, you know. Right. right. So. So I think that that's the difference. And I think maybe some people may have a perception of with the sexual harassment. Oh, it's that we have to be, we can't say anything dirty. We have to be super, uh, you know, corporate about this. But that's not it. It's that like 
I don't like feeling like when I, I don't like the feeling of if I walk in a room and someone in a room full of men totally just calls out something that I'm wearing and makes kind of like a sexually fueled comment about that. Or, you know, like that's different. I think it comes back to intent or like you say, some specific action or behavior that marginalizes the person that you're specifically interacting with, or that's, you know, the team, the people who are involved or somehow some kind of, you know, implication or direct suggestion that someone is for whatever reason, not capable or right. whatever the case may be just for the, just for the matter of their gender. And frankly, I think most people do know the difference. I think in me saying this, even though it sounds a bit vague, understand what I'm talking about, but maybe, maybe not. If, if you're a male and you've never experienced that feeling, maybe you, you really don't see the difference between the two. And so therein lies part of the problem. Uh, it's really yeah. difficult. Um, it's really I don't know. It's scary though to hear like it's scary to hear that comment of someone saying, "Well, basically, my takeaway is I'm never going to hire any women." <laughs> no, right? And it's like, okay, are you just being lazy? And it's like you obviously realize the difference between sexually harassing a woman and having some sort of joke or conversation that's not super clean. Like you, you know the difference. You're being right. lazy and just saying, "I'm not going to hire a woman," or do people really not who haven't experienced it recognize that difference? That's another place where I struggle a lot too, because I am not a proponent of guys not being guys because I think guys should be guys just like women should be women, which was why I took offense with the think like a man thing. Like I think that women should be themselves and still be able to have a pathway to success. At the same time, I'm not the kind of person who is like, Oh, these guys are such pigs because they're, you know, gawking at some woman because you know, to a certain extent, I mean, those are kinds of those are the kinds of things that are hardwired into men. Do I think do I think it's immature? Absolutely. But I think that's what guys do. So it's like I don't I, it's hard to figure out, like, where's the right balance to, to right. draw with that? I can't help but wonder if part of this issue stems from the fact that men and women just interact differently with one another. As the saying goes, boys will be boys. It's in our genes. If you put enough of us in a room together long enough, there will be scratching in the lower haunches, belches, and off-color jokes. So in that case, is it really fair to ask guys to change their natural makeup? Oh, I'm sorry. You're going to have to stop making jokes about my body or another woman's body like oh poor you that's my friend kathleen shannon she's founder of braid creative a design and brand consulting firm that helps creative entrepreneurs build their businesses she's also co-host of the being boss podcast a show and community geared towards empowering educating inspiring creative entrepreneurs most of whom just happen to be women i asked kathleen what she thought about my question and as you might guess Kathleen had no qualms about saying exactly how she felt. 
Like, oh, well, we're going to have to change the whole industry to not accommodate to your sexist asshole jokes. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, fuck that. Am I allowed to cuss on your podcast? Absolutely. Okay. That's just dumb. And honestly, I, I have no patience for it. Mm-hmm. I'm just done being like, oh, well, I wouldn't want you guys to feel inconvenienced or like you can't joke. I mean, I think that this is the stuff that just contributes to a society where there are entire industries built around being a pickup artist, like a misogynistic pickup artist. Okay. This is interesting. I listened to a podcast recently on, Oh, what was it? I think it was on refinery 29 strong opinions loosely held. Was that it? I will double check this for you, what the podcast was, but it was basically a woman who decided to interview this major pickup artist who was basically writing a book about how to become a sex tourist and pick up women in any country, Hmm. right? And just get laid in any country. The only country he could not get laid in was Denmark. Feminism and equality is such a core value there that women saw right through it and they wouldn't put up with his shit and so i'm ready for women to be in a position where none of us will put up with that shit I think this question about the nature of men in the workplace is quite a quandary. And frankly, to be honest, one in which I'm kind of torn. On one hand, I totally hear what Kathleen is saying. When you put it the way she does, it sounds kind of stupid to even question whether or not men should be able to act and behave in a certain way in a mixed work environment. As adults, we should be able to act like adults and adjust our communication styles in deference to our fellow colleagues and workmates. But there is still that small part of me that kind of feels like there's some kind of balance that should be reached. Even Yolanda acknowledged that she didn't want men to feel totally emasculated. But in truth, it may be unrealistic to ask for men to even expect some kind of balance. It leaves too much gray area, which from an HR and legal perspective is not a situation any company wants to be in. So that may mean going for the least common denominator when it comes to establishing policies of conduct. Policies that just may subvert the ability for boys to be boys. I have to admit that if I were to start working in an environment where it was common for the employees to casually make racial jokes and innuendo, I wouldn't care for that one bit. And you might say, okay, Ron, just don't work at that company. Well, that's easier said than done, especially if you're in a situation where you need the work. Ugh, this is why this whole topic feels futile at times. Sometimes you're working against the basis, most primitive instincts of the human psyche and genetic makeup. It's like you're literally trying to fight DNA. But are we? Maybe this is an issue of nurture versus nature. Are the ways in which we raise our children at the very heart of many of these problems? This is a topic we'll tackle on the next episode of Breaking the Glass.
Stay tuned after the credits for a funny bonus segment and deleted scene from my conversation with Kathleen. Oh man, this place is bugging me, man. It's wigging me already. Let's cut out of this hole. Hey man, let's cut this jazz. The cat with the books is bugged out. Let's rock. Breaking the Glass is a radio film school miniseries and a production of Dare Dreamer FM. This episode was co-produced by Yolanda T. Cochran. Music for this episode was curated from freemusicarchive.org. Links to tracks are in the show notes. And speaking of music, Song Freedom has a huge library of songs from every genre. And they're your best source to license music from mainstream artists like the Lumineers, American Authors, One Republic, and Colby Calais. Or classic tunes from the likes of Sinatra, The Temptations, Bob Dylan, and more. Go to songfreedom.com radio and sign up for a new account and you'll get a free standard gold level license for $30. Breaking the Glass is also supported by Videobox, a subscription service to license premium HD and 4K stock footage. When you go to videobox.com RFS, you can sign up for a free 7-day trial that will allow you to download up to 140 clips from their main library. If you like what you see, use that same link and you can get their year plan for as little as $99. Their normal rate is $79 a month. You'll get unlimited downloads from their library of over 115,000 clips. You also get access to their marketplace of over 1 million user-generated stock clips at rates as low as $20 to $30 cheaper than other popular stock sites. So remember, that's videobox.com slash RFS. Don't forget to leave us a review in iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcatcher you use. But even if you don't use iTunes, it would really help the show out a lot if you fired it up anyway and left us a review as an overwhelming number of listeners come from there. You can follow me on Twitter at FM, and you can follow the show at Radio Film School. There are links to Yolanda's Twitter and Kathleen's business site on the blog post for this episode. This week, I'd like to leave you a quote from Oprah Winfrey. Excellence is the best deterrent to racism and sexism. See you in two weeks. Two weeks? Two weeks? You sound like a parakeet there. Two weeks? Two weeks? <laughs> well... Two weeks, it's amazing. Hey, real quick, before we get to today's bonus segment, I want to send a thanks and a shout out to Whipster, the only video collaboration tool that integrates with Vimeo. Quickly and easily share videos with clients and collaborators in a sleek design and intuitive interface that allows you to make frame accurate comments and annotations. I use Webster myself to my clients. I just love how easy it is to use and the professional look and face that it gives to my clients. If you're an Adobe Premiere user, you can share right from within Webster and download commented videos back into Premiere. Just go to Webster.io to learn more. All right, here's that funny bonus segment. This is interesting. We have an exclusive Clubhouse 
site where it's a community of creatives and it's like kind of like a paid membership model where every month we do a secret episode and we do monthly masterclasses. And recently we had a guy join the group and it was super awkward because he's literally one guy out of 199 women. Right. So then I started worrying about like, oh my God, how does he feel? And is this awkward for him? Is this awkward for the rest of the bosses in the group? And it's funny because I had, uh, I was mentioning this to a mentor or to a masterclass group that I was in and they were like, well, it's not like you're in there talking about your period or anything. And I was like, well, actually, (laughs) (laughs) actually we do sometimes talk about our period. So, you know, and that's a funny thing. It's kind of the flip side of all these guys in the in the industry that you were speaking to making dirty jokes and that might make women uncomfortable. I'm actually kind of really open about talking about being a woman and having periods and having a uterus that may or may not have a baby in it. Um, And if that makes guys uncomfortable, like I'm also unwilling to apologize for that. It's clear that my brand attracts a lot of female entrepreneurs and female creatives. We definitely work with guys, but our clients have to go through a lot of communication hoops with us whenever we're onboarding them into the braid method. And we don't work with a lot of guys because sometimes they can't even handle answering three questions in one email. And there have been so many times when I am working with men that I literally have to ask them one question at a time. So like that's funny. So, Larry, what do you mean they can't answer three questions? When, like like they, if, I, if I literally ask them three questions in an email, like, hey, I need these three things from you. What time can you meet? What are your top three objectives? And uh, what's the URL to your website? Like, let's say I ask them those three questions. They might answer one of them. <laughs> Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think that um, – I don't know, maybe men are used to having everything handed to them or not having to and see now I feel like I'm being hateful. I'm not trying to be hateful. No, um, no, I don't think you're being hateful at all because I think it's insightful. Um and as soon as you said that, it made me think about this other discussion we've had about the different ways in which men and women think, how men are very linear thinkers and women are very holistic thinkers. And so an analogy I've heard is a woman's mind is kind of like spaghetti and um and a guy's mind is kind of like you know um foul foul drawers so like when you're talking to a guy you open up a foul drawer he's dealing with everything that's in that foul drawer and he can't think about anything else in any other foul drawer whereas you can talk to a woman and you know because her mind is like spaghetti spaghetti in the sense that everything is kind of twisted and in a and connected and you could be talking to her about one thing, but she's still thinking about these three other things and she connect, she can even connect those three other things together. And so when I think about your email, I could see guys, you know, responding because they see the first question. And and then, so they're just quick to respond to that first question because that is the drawer that their mind is in at the time. I don't know, but it just kind of made me think about that, that the ability to, handle more than one thing at once you're listening to dare dreamer fm the sound of creative expression hmm? ah. oh. Podcast to go.